From the north, citizens of the world, welcome to Forum Borealis. Okay, we are yielding to the pressure of covering this temporal situation we're all stuck in. Theories and speculations are rampant and the numbers are all over the place. Whether it's hysteria aimed at tanking the economy to transform the globe into a cartel playpen or an impending extinction-like pandemonium as karma from Mother Nature, or for tinkering with her like biological Frankensteins, or perhaps something in between. At this point, it's impossible to know, and anyone who pretends otherwise are deluding you and themselves. We simply need long-term data, so it will take time to be sure about the nature of the pandemic and this virus, which, if named, will automatically demonetize this show on YouTube. Therefore, today, any program covering it is doomed to get something wrong. However, the health advices you will learn today will be valid, also after the pandemic has ceased. So in that regard, this show will stand the test of time. So what exactly do we know about this version of the virus and how can we protect against it? To help us answer these and many more questions, I can think of no better guest than an expert on not just viruses but even grave health matters such as cancer and radiation poisoning who has devoted his life to remedy the fragile health of modern man so we can boost our immunity as nature intended. I'm speaking, of course, of Dr. John Apsley, whose credentials, when his info is up at our website's guest presentation page, you can learn all details there. Plus, he has an extensive bio up at his own site. Dr. Apsley is a physician, researcher, author and educator who, for the past 35 years, has specialized in rehabilitation and reversal of chronic degenerative illnesses through integrative regenerative medicine for accelerated tissue repair and cellular regeneration. His research has uncovered that the emergence of chronic degenerative diseases and premature aging is due to decay over generations of the human constitution from catastrophic erosion of mineral-rich humus soil coupled with omnipresent toxins. As an eclectic physician, he is trained in all areas of medicine with emphasis on nutrition and natural medicine, phytopharmacology and psychoneurosomatics. Apart from his degrees in medicine, chiropractics and nutrition, he holds board certifications in a variety of health disciplines as a licensed physician in several disciplines several times in several states. In his eclectic medicine, he utilizes applied colloidal therapeutics and specializes in eclectic oncology. 
He began his education at Michigan State University, where he, between 74 and 80, studied physiology with a full athletic scholarship in swimming, where he was a Big Ten champion and, in the summer of 76, even qualified for the U.S. Olympic trials, which was ruined by his sudden loss of health. In the late 70s, he received his first clinical training in the multi-quarter acupuncture courses under Dr. Upledger, as well as his years-long cranial therapy course. Additionally, in 77, he was licensed in reflexology by the Ingram method, as well as in iridology, and in 78 as a polarity therapist. More in-depth training was provided between 77 and 80, directly under Dr. Cottrell, who was the first osteopathic physician to systemize cranial therapy. Then he moved on to Donspach University, where he got his Bachelor in Nutrition Sciences in 81. In 84, he graduated with honors as Doctor of Chiropractics at Life Chiropractic College, while also being President of Life Chiropractic Nutrition Club. During this time, he also underwent 2,000 hours of advanced training and certification in applied genealogy directly under Dr. Duffy and Dr. Goodhart. He also completed certification in phlebotomy, venipuncture and physiological therapeutics at Brenov University. Subsequently, he interned a full year under the mentorship of Dr. Bandy and also earned his diplomate certification in bioenergetic synchronization technique under Dr. Mortar. In 85, he got his naturopathic physician privilege license. In 86, he went on to earn his medical degree at British West Indies Medical College, where he studied eclectic and integrative medicine. The intensive 3,500-hour curriculum included in-depth academic and clinical training in allopathic naturopathic, homeopathic, and nutritional medicine. He completed the required 12-month medical residency in environmental medicine under Dr. Wiley, a specialist in chronic allergy-related diseases. His 10,000-word graduation thesis covered the human constitution and its links to generational disease. Soon thereafter, he traveled to Findhorn, Scotland, where he experienced profound comprehension about superior longevity and undertook a 20-day workshop intensives under the herbalist Dr. John R. Christopher, which led him to become a licensed naturopathic physician in 88. In 92, Dr. Apsley completed an accredited certification course under Dr. Sunderlodge at Logan College and was appointed with honors by the Chiropractic Society of Alabama's voting representative to the annual Congress of Chiropractic State Associations. Participating in forming the Mercer document, initiating nationwide chiropractic evidence-based standards. In 93, he was certified in acupuncture and in 94 and 95 by Dr. Mazion as both spinal disability evaluator and an insurance claims reviewer under the auspices of Parker College and Alabama Chiropractic Council. In 01, he joined the practice of Dr. Rentz to perfect anti-aging methodology. In 2000, he became a qualified instructor of computerized electrodermal scanning and screening as well as dark field microscopy.
Between 2003 and 2005, he was president at Natural Immunogenics Corporation. Between 2005 and 2008, he served as executive director of the non-profit venture Immunogenic Research Foundation, dedicated to the study and education of metals in medicine, especially nanoscale silver and copper, with executive board members like Professor Deborah Mash and Dr. Brian Clement, head of the Hippocrates Health Institute. The leading biotech company developed the world's first nanotechnology capable of rendering medicinal metals into angstrom-sized particles so that virtually no infectious microbe could survive contact with these metal hydrosols, while normal human cells remained healthy and unaffected. In 12, after writing an 800-peer-reviewed reference text on the Fukushima nuclear power plant disaster, he was appointed to the Scientific Medical Advisory Board of Radiation and Public Health, a prestigious research organization dedicated to educating about the hidden lethal dangers of commercial nuclear power, which was subsequently published as a book. Throughout his career, he's also served as executive director of the Immunogenic Research Foundation, director of research and patient services at Physical Medicine Services, partner and director of Genesis Center for Holistic Care and Chiropractic Sciences, partner of Apsley McCrickard Group Incorporated, owner and medical director of Northwest Chiropractic Clinic. As an entrepreneur, he is founder of Biome Nutraceutical Research Corporation, chief editor and publisher for IMREF Publications, founder and organizer of the non-profit physicians organization, International College of Colloidal Therapeutics, and founder of the School of Constitutional and Eclectic Medicine. He is also a member of National Academy of Research Biochemists, International College of Applied Chineosology, American College of Applied Nutrition, and a bunch of chiropractic association councils and societies. In 11, John Apsley founded MD Prescriptives, the professional-only food supplement company specializing in products that facilitate efficient self-healing and regenerative medicine, where he also is CEO. Same year, he also founded International Congress of Regenerative Medicine, as well as Regenerative Lifestyles, where he as CEO is dedicated to educating by way of courses, treatments, books, workshops and webinars. Throughout the world, Dr. Apsley and his team of associates offer, through these ventures, physician-to-physician consultations, education, of professional healthcare workers and patient consultation services in integrative regenerative medicine. He is author of six books, including bestsellers, and several article studies and scientific publications. As a national figure and frequent lecturer, he's been featured speaker in events such as the 5th China International Silver Conference, the 1st Paris Symposium on Overcoming Advanced Cancer, and first symposium on Lyme-induced autism in L.A. 
obviously interviewed in over dozens of syndicated US and EU radio shows and podcasts. And of course, he's visited the forum to uncover shocking facts about cancer and the suppression of working treatments. Building upon careful case studies, he has developed a four-pillar approach to regenerative medicine involving daily detoxification, maximal oxygenation, regenerative nourishment, and mind-body bioenergetics within the clinical setting. His wife, the renowned Dr. Sanjita Patti, President and Medical Director of Sajun Institute of Restorative and Regenerative Medicine, developed a similar evidence-based five-point model system of regenerative medicine, unbeknownst to each other at the time. These universal tools are not only effective against hostile biotics and cancer, but also against viruses, electromagnetic, microwave and radiation poisoning, as you soon will learn today. Welcome back to Forum Borealis, John. Well, thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here, Al. It is a pleasure to have you, despite the circumstances, which are not very pleasurable. That's for sure. I guess we're both prisoners in our own domain right now. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, and, you know, I just had to have you back because um, my listeners, they range from people who think this is hyped, nothing's going on here, this is like a little at the level of a strong flu, Two people who think it's the end of the world is 12 monkeys. and uh, In common, they're thinking we're not getting the truth from authorities, and I don't blame them for that. So I figure, why not have an expert on board who we can trust? Well, thank you. <laughs> and, who, I, I, and, who have, and, and you yourself, have, you know, you understand why we should be skeptical to authorities. So I'm hoping you can help us clarify uh, a lot of questions yeah. about this. Uh, let me address that a little bit. I, I think the truth lies somewhere in between. I think there is some monkey business going on. And I also think there's some very legitimate things going on. And when you have both of those colliding together, it does make it more difficult for people to assimilate because they have their backgrounds mm-hmm. and their own backgrounds. Um, they've kind of taught themselves to listen to certain uh, aspects of what's going on in the news and to tune out. Uh, other things that are going on in the news. And so I would invite everyone to keep an open mind and to hear it from all points of view. And I'll try to speak to that as we go through today's little interview. So Mm. where would you like to start in that regard? Oh, I have a million questions. Um, I would like actually not to start on the medical part. Uh, I want to start in the big question of origin. Okay. Uh, I sent you something yesterday because I've been looking into different claims and there are even a few doctors who have come out. And I think even the Russian officials and Chinese officials have said this is a bioweapon. Obviously not a deliberate thing, but something leaked from one of the, I think it's like 50 bioweapon labs around the world, which in my view should all be closed down. Yes. Uh, But... How likely is this? I mean, the majority is, of course, rejecting this. What do you think? Could it be? Well, I can tell you this about this particular coronavirus that is medical fact. There's some very peculiar things about COVID-19. Very peculiar. 
Mm. Um, there are circumstances that you're relating to that I'll let uh, people much smarter than, than I address. But I can tell you some things about COVID-19 that really stretch the imagination as to how a single virus could become so versatile mm. to cause this pandemic across the world. So let me let me go into that because um, I stand on really hard scientific background on that. Sure. COVID-19 is different than other viruses that I've studied. Most viruses have one or two ways, certainly not a multiplicity of ways, in which that they take over a host human cell and begin to command that host human cell to make more of itself. This particular COVID-19 virus is able to take over different aspects of a host cell to cause it to be replicated. And so we're seeing strange things occur as a result. For example, uh, the new drugs that are out there uh, that uh, are being pushed forward to help control this turn out to be quite effective. The chloroquine and hydrochloroquine, although they have side reactions, mixed in with azithromycin, what those both, all three of those do is they shut down the autophagy, the self-digestion and recycling mechanism that host human cells use either to break themselves down because they're too weathered, they're too aged, they're too diseased, or to help reconstruct them and repair them. And COVID-19 loves that. It's very strange. Normally, if you're infested with an infection, the autophagy system is designed to chew apart and digest the infection that's inside the cell. But not in this case. COVID-19 loves that. And it will use those same enzymes to make more of itself. That's pretty scary. Well, azithromycin and hydrochloro hydrochloroquine uh, and, uh, and chloroquine. H hang on. The, these are the anti-malaria and antibiotics we've heard about, right? Exactly. That has promising results. Yeah. Exactly. And the reason why they work is because they stop that system. And so they're stopping the replication of the system. And if you add immune stimulants in there like zinc and vitamin C and other nutrients, you can then start to rebuild the immune system so that you can develop more permanent immunity. But there are other ways that this coronavirus, uh, this particular version of uh, SARS, COVID-19, can also multiply itself. And so this is the reason I believe why we're seeing 14%, maybe 15% of the people that have passed through successfully having had the infection and having been proven to have the infection that after they're declared to be free of the virus, they get sick again for no known reason. There is people that say, well, maybe they were re-exposed. But if that's true, why didn't they develop immunity yeah. coming out of the sickness? Yeah, I've heard, about, I've heard about that. They're saying people are getting reinfected exactly. because they think it's mutated. But it hasn't mutated yet, has it? Uh, there's yes, two it has. Yes. There's two strains out there, right? No, it's, it's, it's more than two. It's a pleomorphic. Uh, and that's the Jeez. other. Exactly. And that's the other major uh, intriguing uh, thing about this, if, if it can use a, a term. Um, it's pleomorphic. Its size ranges from 60 nanometers to 90 nanometers, and that means it's changing its internal shape. 
And when it does that, it, it also is changing its ability to infect because its outer capsid coat is able to hook onto different cells according to those various new structures that are occurring. And so you have some, just what you're alluding to, you have some of these strains, if you will, of the coronavirus, COVID-19, that seem to be more aggressive than others. And then mm. there is this other aspect. Um, until the data recently came out of Wuhan uh, that was published in Lancet, they had too small a number to know what this virus was actually causing in terms of symptoms. Well, we now know that 10%, approximately 10% of folks are getting intestinal symptoms, not upper respiratory symptoms. So, so you're talking about extra respiratory manifestations, like diarrhea, for example. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and that means that the virus is traveling throughout the entire bloodstream, hitting different target organs, and so it becomes more difficult to deal with. And you, so as a result, we're, we're seeing kids um, have lethal events with this, unfortunately. We're seeing healthy people from 18 to 45. Those are the most that are admitted to hospitals, by the way, by far. Hang on, they're saying they're saying that children has not catched it. And they're also saying that the majority of those who suffer are elderly or people with underlying diseases. That is absolutely not true. It is false information. Now, not false in the sense of a conspiracy, but I was alluding to this Lancet study that finally put together over 100,000 case histories from Wuhan. Mm. Up until then, they didn't know that these other things were occurring, such as this is able to infect everybody. There is nobody that's immune from this. And so now you're looking at what are the resistant factors that humans have that would prevent a lethal event inside us. And it has to do with some things that I want to talk to everyone about. Hmm. Um, and this relates to people that smoke. This relates to people that are aged. This relates to people that are presumed healthy. This relates to the very young. Now, everybody listen up here. This is so important. Wuhan City and New York City have something in common. They have a lot of 5G and Wi-Fi and EMF radiation taking place. Now listen, everybody, it turns out that these EMFs that are part of our life today turn off the production of melatonin inside human beings. Melatonin is the determinant of intracellular glutathione production. There can be no argument about that. And at nighttime, when we produce our melatonin, we are, it's interfered with, and the, and the production is turned off by invisible Wi-Fi, by invisible EMF, by invisible blue light. So the Yeah, I, I have a very hard time sleeping if there's any Wi-Fi around me. There you go. And that's mm. exactly right. So when you have a lowered glutathione production inside the cells of the body, it enables something like COVID-19 to produce more easily an inflammatory storm, what's called a cytokine storm, because glutathione, there's five different enzyme systems, four of them are selenium dependent, and I'll get back to that in a moment, shut that down. But if there's, if there's low reserves of intracellular glutathione, 
because there's not enough melatonin being produced, you can get into real trouble and it doesn't matter what age you are. So this is the reason why I feel, in my opinion, that Wuhan got hit so hard because they were, they, there was a plethora of 5G towers there. And in New York mm-hmm. City, I've, I've lived there before, it's horrible, just for the same thing, Albany, you're talking about, that it's hard for you to sleep when the Wi-Fi is on. So unplug it. Use your cell phone a, a, a foot away from your head. Turn it on speaker and turn off and unplug your Wi-Fi at night and protect yourself from your computers. Yeah, the, the cell phone can be on uh, flight mode. That's okay, right? Yeah, or just move it away. Move it a foot away from your head and put it on speaker. Mm. That that's that's a big deal. That really helps. Mm. So, um, uh, and there's different ways to protect yourself with Faraday grids around your smart meters. And I know that in Europe, that's a big deal. Uh, and, and I'm very grateful for the work that's being done in Austria in that regard. Uh, but everyone needs to understand that the Wi-Fi and the EMFs that that uh, are, are taking place are part of a system of big data collection. So there's this huge effort with uh, companies out there worldwide to collect data. And it's unbelievable what kinds of data they can collect from these from the use of 5G. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, there's one other aspect, Al, that is, uh, I think, even more important for the long term. Um, EMS will wipe out and destroy the basic functions of the gut's healthy microbiome, the good probiotics. Mm-hmm. And it's not well known, but the good, healthy gut probiotics control about 70% of the gene expressions in human beings, particularly the immune system. So if the EMFs are destroying or altering the gut, the good guys in the gut, and that is in turn weakening the immune system, you have a perfect storm for the reason why the people are dying. Mm. So these things need to be corrected. And when they're corrected, things can turn around really fast. Um, yeah, uh, my listeners already know about the warning against uh, uh, what we call uh, AMS meters, smart meters, because I had a heart failure from it. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, a year ago. But uh, it's because uh, they say it's like, uh, I mean, I had someone here to measure the radiation and, and the vibrations was one million. And I think normal limits are like thousand. But the thing is, I already had an infection in my tooth. So it amplified, it amplifies uh, that kind of damage. Uh, it does. Infection. It does. So, so it went to the bloodstream and eventually to my heart. As soon as I got rid of the, because here in Norway, we are following the corrupt uh, this is all uncovered it's a corrupt little they th- think it's like a scientific consensus no there's a little corrupt group of people connected to i think it's uh, who who are from the industry themselves and everybody just follows them instead of doing independent research and there's a lot of research on this uh, so here in norway you can get rid of it if you have medical reasons as soon as i got rid of it my heart was back to normal wow yeah so that's that's like cause and effect right there <laughs> yeah. yeah but i've heard speculations that it can have something to do with 5g because as you probably know in january this year 
they launched the first 5G satellites that start, uh, they started to beam the earth in January. And all of January and February, they've been sending up more and more of these satellites, like, um, is it uh, Jeff Bezos has one and the Tesla guy has one. And I mean, that's, that's okay. That's not cause and effect. That's correlation. But it's a very interesting correlation, isn't it? Because I believe it's in January, this virus started to really explode, isn't it? I think so. I think you've really hit on something. Uh, so, so again, for your listeners, if you keep an open mind, you realize one thing above everything else, that human beings maintain degrees of ignorance. So there are unconscious conspiracies, meaning events that take place because of our collective ignorances that can collide so there was no overt intention for things to happen, but because of a series of events of us not knowing what we don't know, suddenly we find ourselves in a real tizzy. And this, Alvin, I think you've just hit on the head that when you take 5G, when you take uh, GMO foods, when you take um, poor nutrients in the soil, when you take other factors of heavy metals in the food supply, and then smoking, and then you add all these things in, and then suddenly someone just winds up with low antioxidant reserves from, a, from different perspectives, from different causations. You have a perfect storm for that particular individual, unbeknownst to the doctors that are standing around that person to die from COVID-19 or to develop cancer in the future. You, you were just alluding to your tooth. It's now established that when you get infections, those infections will turn off the correct metabolism of cells into the favor of a cancer metabolism, glycolysis, just by the inflammation. Wow. It's also known that infections do the same thing. They actually turn off a switch called pyruvate dehydrogenase. And that's what drives uh, the proper metabolism where cells know to kill themselves in a timely manner versus cancer, which has turned off that mechanism. So by you having an infection in your mouth that's both inflammatory and based upon an infection, that will, over the long term, put you at greater risk for the cancer metabolism to set itself up into your system. In your case, because you were having heart symptoms, you caught it early you, you discovered it, you removed it, and you did a good job there. So that's that's good news for you. Mm. Okay. Well, um, you know, uh, I, I read a book called The Invisible Rainbow. Do you know about it? No, I haven't heard that. You no, know, great book. Uh, I forgot the name of the professor who wrote it, but he proves that there's a connection between viruses and electromagnetism. I know for many it sounds far-fetched, but it has uh, it be explained easily within the normal scientific paradigm, which is limited anyway. And so that just increases the chances for, for this having been boosted by uh, the way we are filling uh, the frequencies around us, right? Yeah. Uh, that viruses thrives. It, it's like, in a way, the first time they discovered this, uh, some people believe this, that viruses are just... 
not harmonic, but dissonating frequencies <laughs> in a way. Because at the end of the line, everything is vibrations. Every atom in me is vibrating. So if you want to use that kind of language to explain uh, existence, fine. But whatever, uh, however, paradigm you have here, if they are amplified by certain frequencies, then, um, well, th then there's, it's a relevance there that we have to look into. And like you say, I agree, it's, a, it's an unconscious collusion. It's yes, profit. It's profit on the one hand, and profit knows no borders. Profit always wins the day in any uh, conflict of interest. And couple that with like a futuristic, naive idealism about everything is going to be you know sci-fi right oh we want this we need this this will better our lives and that kind of attitude is the strongest in my country profit is the strongest in america but in my country is this naive belief in technology on absolutely all levels and that yeah. creates two streams that fuse into a perfect storm profit and ideology and i believe that's probably the main reason and unless people can uncover these things you're talking about there's no turning back i think that's extremely well said um well since you brought it up yeah. <laughs> i can give you some hard science on what's happening that is going to revolutionize the germ theory cool sure. um, so uh, if you if you would uh, bear with me here i I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm going to come to some pretty profound bits of information that should impact everyone. And, and to your point, so we know where the story is going, I believe returning to an agrarian-based society that has been well-established by the long-living people around the world for over 5,000 years is the ultimate way that we should uh, return. And we have to have very healthy soils to do that, and we have to honor the earth. And we have to honor each other. And so we're in an evolutionary stage now where those that listen up uh, will be able to get returned to an ideal life with long living of um, uh, abilities uh, with very little disease, just like the long living do in the blue zones. And those that don't pay attention will are weak and nature comes along and, and eliminates the weak. So let's talk about hard science about frequencies and viruses because I think it's part of this whole thing and I'm not sure how. Mm. So um, I had the great privilege of dining with the, uh, for, uh, the wife of late of the late uh, great scientist Buena Vista. Buena Vista was basically the head of what would have been in our country called NIH, the National Institutes of Health, but in France. Could you repeat his name? Because the sound is, you have like a oh. computer sound, very poor sound. Yeah, his name was Buena Vista. Werner? Buena Vista. Buena Vista, okay. When, with a B, boy as in boy, Buena Vista. Okay, yep. And, and that's how I pronounce it. it. Some people pronounce it Buena Vista. Mm. And he was like the head of uh, the Pasteur Institute. He was the great scientist in France, and he married a homeopathic physician. And I was able to dine with her many years uh, later um, after his death. But he decided to try to prove, uh, I'm gathering out of, the, out of the love for his wife, that there was something to homeopathic medicine. And so he made the startling discovery that if you dilute something like a virus, for example, uh, beyond 
uh, Avogadro's number, where when you start with a certain number of atoms and then you dilute and dilute and dilute, that mathematically there cannot be any original atom from where you started from in the final dilution. Mm. So then he took that and he showed that it altered the structure of the water and that water has memory and that this memory in the water is extremely powerful. And I'll get back to that with some recent studies that are mind-blowing related to viral infections. So he was castrated for his publications on it. He was declared to be a, a, a nothing more than a magician and he was uh, severely um, harassed by the vested interests that be. And on the sideline, one of the few who knew that Buena Vista was one of the great scientists of our age was Luc Montagnier. He is awarded the Nobel Prize in medicine for discovering HIV alongside Robert Gallo. They right. both were given half the prize. Yeah, he's pretty famous. Mm. He's very famous. Now, this is the man that will change the way that we understand the germ theory and how it relates to frequencies. And this is startling information, and everyone should pay attention because there may be an interface with what Wuhan's 5G system was able to do with the COVID-19 And I don't know more than that. I can just tell you that there has to be an interface, and I'll explain. Mm. Luc Montagnier, at the, at the top of his career, decided that since he was pretty much done, he had won the Nobel Prize, that he was going to set out to see if Buena Vista, his, his good friend, his buddy, was right or not. So he picked up the, uh, the challenge and took some of his close colleagues and got secondhand equipment so they could go off into trailers, off into the wilderness and quietly do experimentation to see if the water transformation from a germ could be uh, sufficient enough at high dilutions to influence disease inside human beings. And it took him a while to publish this because everybody wouldn't let him but he finally was able to do so. And anybody that has any interest in this can look it up on YouTube. Look up Luc Montagnier, and you will see that he has proven that frequencies can cause disease inside the human being where it's actually able to replicate germs inside ourselves, the frequencies only. Mm. It's startling information. So, My question is, did the Chinese and their bioweapons plant, or did any other bioweapons plant, take the frequencies that are now able to be um, recorded with sensitive equipment that Luc Montagnier is actually able to do himself, and were they broadcasting that into a test animal to alter a virus with different frequencies until it was able to, by the host cell, say of the bat or of another mammal, to produce different kinds of viruses. I don't know the answer to that. Mm. I just simply know that what Luc Montagnier has been able to do and has proved with universities 
has been startling because he's been able to record a virus DNA, a virus RNA, and record that frequency, broadcast it over cell phones, a a regular cell phone, a thousand miles away to a university in Italy, and in water that was the receiver of that frequency, it tested positive under PCR testing for that DNA, for that RNA. Wow, that's amazing. That's improving. And that's on YouTube. You can, yes. you can look. That was in 2016. But we know already, you know, Dr. Emoto in Japan, I believe before he died, he, he proved that. I mean, it's been, been hyped a lot, yes. But nonetheless, there is some hard science there, right? Yeah, I've met him. Mm. Uh, Dr. Emoto got most of his uh, information from other scientists. Emoto was, a, was, a, uh, was an artist, a great artist. And he was able to photograph the changes in water, which is proving that water has memory, depending upon the thoughts of the people mm. influencing the water there. And this is along the same lines that when it has proved that water has memory, called icy crystals, Luc Montagnier has proven in his publications in 2011 in two different journals, and this is where the transmission effect can cause spontaneous, what I'm going to call spontaneous generation, which I thought was impossible, but Luc Montagnier has proven that that's not true. Here's what happened. Luc Montagnier is an expert in HIV, and he's an expert in mycoplasma. And he noticed that when those two are combined, that it often causes AIDS, that the two combined weaken the immune system so much that you get these horrible things in immunodeficiency diseases. Yeah. So he, he grabbed a, a uh, HIV patient's white blood cells that also contained mycoplasma, and he filtered out the gel water. And he filtered it through very carefully through micropores so that only the water and the mycoplasma, which is almost the size of a virus, was left. And then from there, after he proved that, he only allowed the water that had been surrounding the mycoplasma to pass through the last filter. Then he took that gel water from the cell that was infected with both, it was from originally a lymphocyte uh, that had both HIV and mycoplasma. And he took just the remaining gel water and he diluted it beyond Avogadro's number, knowing that it was impossible for any atom from the original gel water collection to be in the final dilution. And then he re-inoculated healthy white blood cells and it grew mycoplasma inside the lymphocytes. Mm. Wow. That means that frequencies under certain conditions are able to force human host cells such as lymphocytes to be taken over, just like a virus does. Mm. A whole virus goes into a white blood cell or into other cells of the body, like the COVID-19, and forces the nuclear core to make more of the virus as opposed to the normal cell activities of the host cell. Mm. Luc Montagnier has proven that the water that has the stored information from the mycoplasma, uh, um, apparently from the DNA or in the case of other viruses, the RNA, is enough 
to take over host cells and force them to grow inside themselves pathogens. This is published in 2011. Everybody better wake up to this. So if 5G inadvertently, without intention, because it's so dense with being able to uh, transmit and receive information of frequencies, was somehow mistakenly involved in mm. the in the virus uh, circumstances, and I'm I'm saying that in a broad way because yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to say you know uh, is it possible that the 5G was a contributing factor? Now, take a step back. I absolutely am convinced that 5G is ruining our production of melatonin at night because it's only made basically at nighttime, and we use. But could, would it help to get melatonin pills and take them? Absolutely. It's it's essential. Because I tried that once, but the problem, my reaction, and I know some a minority has this reaction, is that instead of getting sleepy, I get hyper awake. It's like being on a trip. Yeah. I even hallucinated a little. Yeah, yeah, so you take it during the day. That's right. You take it during oh, the day. So, so I have to take it during the day, not before I go yes. to bed. Yes. Yes, let me explain. Okay. We, we produce melatonin at night, and while we're doing that, it puts us to sleep, but we use it during daylight time. Okay. So uh, it was just a matter of not uh, following correct procedure then. <laughs> yes, we use it to make glutathione inside ourselves during the daytime. That's right. And so, so there's that component to it. So regardless of whether 5G and the high density of transmission of frequencies and all that is some sort of uh, unconscious conspiracy that human beings don't know that just like secondhand smoke and firsthand smoke, we didn't know in the 1920s that it was causing cancer, but sure enough, right. Mm. Are we doing that today with 5g and the, the possibility is definitely there. So I invite your, your audience to protect themselves from EMF frequencies, hold your cell phone a foot away from your head when you're talking and when you're listening and, and just turn your Wi-Fi's off at night and take supplements that can rebuild your glutathione levels, which is selenium NAC, which is a harmless amino acid and melatonin. It's, it just, it's just common sense. Mm. And uh, I also have to say that one of the aspects with uh, radiation uh, or bad frequencies is uh, not the heating. That's the problem because the old school research shows that, okay, it's damaging when it heats up to a certain level. So all we have to do is find value limits that's uh, below the heating well, in reality, they actually go far past them. But that's like what they acknowledge. Like a microwave, if it becomes warm enough, it starts melting stuff, right? So in the beginning, we remember mobile phones were warming up our ears. Mm-hmm. Still, that can happen. But what we've discovered is that it's an other aspect of the vibrations that is really doing the damage, and that's the pulsating. And there's a lot of research on this and a lot of new research, but it's completely ignored by authorities, by different groups or institutions that are supposed to protect us because it really challenges the profit aspect and not just the profit aspects. Everything in society is now integrated with it. So if they should take heed of the pulsation problems, they would have to 
restart the whole goddamn civilization. <laughs> yes. And they don't want to do that because they believe, so far they believe, oh, it's just a few people who are, you know, highly sensitive to electromagnetism. But now that we see pandemics, maybe that can be, maybe the blessing in disguise here can be that we turn this shit around. <laughs> I think that's right. And that's what I said earlier is that those people that have common sense and are listening with an open mind and will do their own research, like look on YouTube and investigate Luc Montagnier, um, they're going to realize that the human race is an ignorant race and it doesn't know what it does all the time. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Mm. This is really true. Mm. So we're really spitting upwind and we we don't know it. We're it's no different than the you know in uh, in China almost all males 60 and over were chain smokers you know and that's still true in many countries why does the virus like smoker lungs well the glutathione's burned up for one thing and you're you're uh, if you're low oxygen uh, i don't know if people know this but every time you light up uh, both a, a marijuana cigarette and a tobacco cigarette you produce huge amounts of carbon monoxide and it poisons the person for a good 30 minutes. And it's the reason why people use it is because it poisons the brain and it turns off the brain. And there is a funny aspect to it. Uh, and I, I hope that your audience understands this from a medical point of view, but a lot of people don't understand that when they are realizing um the removal of stress from their system, that if they can turn off their brain, they can release that stress that is agitating them. And then one step beyond that, and this is just interesting information, also has a little bit of humor to it. <laughs> it it's very strange, but when people go to have orgasms, they're actually not able to do so unless they're able to turn off large sections yeah. in their brain. Yeah. So the alcohol and the smoking of marijuana cigarettes and the smoking of cigarettes contributes to poisoning the brain and turning off those sections of the brain that allow for people to have more pleasure when they're and when they're having uh, sex. But they can achieve the same thing with meditation or mindfulness without poisoning Thank themselves. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's a matter of turning off the brain cells. So one way is to poison it yeah. with carbon monoxide, right? Yeah. yeah. Or what you're saying to calm the brain with meditation. I completely agree that the natural way to, to go is, an, is the best way to go. But, but this is why it's so popular. Hmm. So when you're turning off the supplies of oxygen in the body, it actually produces more inflammation in the body. Hmm. So by getting proper exercise and proper good, good air into the lungs, that's where you're reducing your ability to make inflammatory states in the body. And until we change our lifestyles and incorporate that, we're going to be subject to these kinds of events. Mm. So people run out in the woods and do pranayama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. But speaking yes. of inhalation of stuff, um, I read, and this is ironic, vape, you know vape? Yes. It's uh, vape contains uh, something called uh, PC, I think, and that's uh, turned out to be a virus inhibitor. So inadvertently, it seems that smokers are more exposed to COVID 
whereas vapors are slightly less exposed. I didn't know that. That's interesting. <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing. But uh, uh, one more thing about the vibrations. It's also in The Invisible Rainbow, I recommend people Google the book. You can read about how weather and electromagnetism is connected. And, and we know this from, from old days even, because when weather changes, also the electromagnetism in the area. And so it's interesting also to see that COVID, and of course, it's not been around enough, so we don't have enough data. But from the data we have so far, it seems to be a pattern of temperature. Uh, I've seen different maps of where it's, okay, it's and I'm not COVID can be everywhere, but it seems that it lives longer uh, when a temperature is optimal. So they prefer right. between, I think it's between five to 10 degrees Celsius. I don't know the Fahrenheit thing. And that's where it can sustain itself on surfaces for days. Whereas if it gets too cold or too warm, it dies quicker outside. And... Um, this is directly connected to electromagnetism, actually. I can't uh, give the scientific case for it here and now, but you can read about it in this book. Okay. So, so that is also one more circumstantial evidence for this having to do with vibration somehow. Yeah, um, there, is a, there is a book that's out. Uh, it's, it's unfortunately not true. Um, and it talks about how if you can superheat the... COVID-19 in the sinuses and in the lungs with uh, different uh, instruments like a hair, hair blow dryer. Yeah, I've heard about that. that you can kill it on contact, but it's not true. You, you have to heat it up to about 130 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which would be somewhere around 52 degrees Celsius consistently for about 30 minutes. And the human cells can't handle no, that, unfortunately. No. no, I heard about, I saw a video about it because it went around as a meme. Yeah, it's not true. Yeah, I wish it were true. Yeah, I was interested, right? All the way to, he said, and take a hair blower and <laughs> point it to your mouth and start inhaling. That's that's when the bullshit alarm started to go off, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Because he made a good case for it up to there. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good, maybe he's a good Joe and he just doesn't know any better. And he's just trying to help. I don't know. But it yeah. takes 30 minutes consistent at, at uh, 52 degrees Fahrenheit or over 130 degrees Fahrenheit to be able to kill that virus. Hmm. Um, we do know that it stays in the air for six hours. We know that it stays on countertops for up to nine days. Uh, but we do know but doesn't, that, doesn't that depend on, on like if you're in say Africa and there's uh, a lot of sun and heat outside wouldn't that kill it faster than if it was in a humid uh, uh, temperature uh, like I say 5 to 10 degrees plus it seems that's the optimal I'm not sure I, I, so I, I pay attention to those things uh, a lot mm. um, and temperature is a big deal um, there was, uh, in his, in fact, the same author, I think his name is Dr. Dimke. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that's a real name or not, mm -hmm. but, uh, he makes the point that the reason why that a lot of upper respiratory tract virus infections hit the lungs is because you're breathing air in air. And that during the winter time, when a lot of these, uh, viruses hit the lungs is because the air out in general is colder than during the summertime. But that's really because of lack of vitamin D3 as a whole, not, not so much because of that. Because right. in the case of coronavirus, 
it loves the deeper tissues like the liver and the intestinal tract, which are quite warm. So um, I don't think that that is exactly the case. Mm. Um, but in, in, in relation to this, there are a number of things that can really help. And I want to make sure that your, your folks out there know that, um, you know, vitamin C with rose hips um, is very powerful. It helps to block replication as well as to stimulate the immune system, even with the oral levels, the, the, the amount of vitamin C that you can take orally. Now, that will not kill the virus directly, but it will stop the cytokine storm to a great, to a great extent, especially if you're able to get a hold of melatonin, NAC, and selenium. Um, so that those those are very important. And well, uh, hang on, hang on. Melatonin. What's the second one? Yeah. So uh, with glutathione, which we've been talking about, the the determinant, the chief determinant, the chief controller, the commander in chief, if you will, mm-hmm. is melatonin mm. for the intracellular production. And then the raw materials are NAC, which is an amino acid you get from whey and from colostrum. Um, so those are good, healthy sources, um, or just N- NAC. Okay. NAC is the abbreviation for N-acetylcysteine. Okay. And it's rich, very rich in whey, and it's very rich in colostrum. Hmm. And then selenium. Selenium activates most of the forms of glutathione inside the cells, and that calms down the cytokine storms along with melatonin itself. Melatonin is a fantastic, I mean, a really fantastic anti-inflammatant right by itself. So is NAC. For for example, people that are going into acute respiratory distress syndrome, they're going to die. And there is no known cure. But we're about ready to release a webinar here in the next couple of weeks that shows that there is way there is several ways in which to reduce the cytokine storm even in those states and NAC can be breathed in through an inhaler like people with asthma mm. um, and it's very popular in Europe it's called mucomist 20 and mucomist 10 and it's very common in Europe it's not so common in the United States they're just simple inhalers and so if anybody is running into a severe upper respiratory distress syndrome where they can't breathe or where they're actually going into pneumonia, I highly recommend that they get a hold of this and start using it. It can save lives. So this is what the people with asthma and stuff are taking, right? Yes, yes. For kids, it's great because it loosens up the mucus, turns it into water and allows it to flow out mm. for asthma. Mm. But it stops the inflammatory storm that COVID-19 can cause inside the lungs. Mm. And vitamin C and rose hips will recycle the, the, uh, the correct uh, state, the correct energy of the uh, NAC that's going into the uh, mucomist. Because the mucomist well, well, hang on. What was the second thing you said? Vitamin C and? Uh, rose hips. Rose What? Rose hips. It's a uh, it's an herb. Rose hips. Okay, it's such a bad uh, sound. So I just need to make everything you're saying clear for people here. Sorry, sorry about that. So it, it's very rich in vitamin C by itself. Okay. Um, and it has a special component which stops COVID nineteen replication in in one area. 
it's it's not a panacea, but it, it does slow down the replication ability. And so the vitamin C taken orally will not kill the virus directly, but it will recycle the, the power of the NAC, of the glutathione inside the body sufficiently enough to pull somebody out of um, at, a, at a severe event. They can, it can pull them right out of it. But are there good sources for selenium and NAC in, let's say, food? Yeah, uh, the NAC uh, is very rich in whey, whey powder, and in colostrum, which comes in powder form. But a lot of people into sports will drink whey milkshakes. Mm -hmm. And there's colostrum in the whey as well, but colostrum you can buy separately. Um, the selenium aspect is a little trickier because uh, they say that Brazil nuts are very high in selenium. And I'd say that that normally is true, but it depends on the fertility of the soil. Mm. So if the soil is really rich, then yes, the Brazil nuts will be very high in selenium. Otherwise, it's important to take selenium uh, to the extent of about 400 micrograms a day is about right for most people. Would it, would it be safe to get organic Brazil nut? Would we assume that if it's organic, the soil will also be richer? There tends to be a 30 to 40% greater mineral content in organic foods versus commercial foods. Mm. So, yes. yes. Mm. Okay. okay, this is this great. Is great. All of our files are free and will remain free. If you like the show, you can show support by donating $1 to help with expenses. Just use the PayPal link on our website, YouTube channel, or Facebook page. Thanks. Okay, I have a lot of questions for you here. Um, okay. Long-living cultures, just one question about that. Is there any data yet about how COVID has hit them? And if is there any signs that they are coping better with this? No, they're isolated. Uh, most Blue Zone people are isolated. Hmm. And so there would be very little exposure right now to the COVID-19. Eventually, everyone will get it on the planet, but it will take time. And on top of that, the, I, would, I would suspicion very strongly that the glutathione levels inside the long-living people are quite high and healthy. I would, I would say that's true. That's just my opinion. Mm. So th they get sick, just like everyone else does, but they get through it in like no time. So. Yeah and they develop immunity. So this is how it's done. This is how we'll come out of this. And, and, and last thing I want to tell people, we're going to get these vaccines coming out pretty soon. And whether or not that you are for or against vaccines, I want you to understand something. When there had been plagues across the planet that were chronic, like tuberculosis and polio, not smallpox. Smallpox is an exception. But the long-term plagues like tuberculosis that went on and on and on for decades and decades and decades, hmm. it was herd immunity, not the antibiotic streptomycin or any other antibiotic that stopped the tuberculosis plague. 
the human's race just developed its own herd immunity and it stopped. The same thing is true with polio. Everyone thinks that the polio vaccine stopped the polio epidemic and pandemic. That's not true. There was virtually nobody that had polio going into the final years when finally the vaccines came out. And that is a fact. Mm. So the vaccinations or the antibiotics didn't cure the herd. It was the herd itself with its own immunity that, that busted through and developed its ability to thwart these two different kinds of infections. Yeah, I heard for polio that it correlated with, uh, you know, better clean, uh, cleaner lifestyle, better facilities to keep ourselves clean and healthy, uh, getting uh, literally out of the sewers, out of the slums. Yeah. So uh, even if that's not the main causation, I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't hurt. It is, it is the main causation. <laughs> when when that when right. the correct hygiene came into play and... Right. And the proper preservation of food through refrigeration and proper good water and proper good air came into play yeah. and washing your hands. You're absolutely right, Elf. Mm. That's, those are huge. Mm. But I hear the vaccine is over a year away anyway. But you mentioned this drug, uh, anti-malaria, antibiotics thing. I, I, I heard that there's a study, only 20 people though, but there was a 100% cure yes. for those 20 people. Of course, we don't have enough data. It's, it's not a long-term experience we have with this, so we don't know long-term effects. But that's promising. But then I hear that taking these meds in themselves is pretty heavy, that people can get damaged from that. Could you clarify this a little? Because many people put their hopes on these medicines, yeah. not the vaccine, because that's so far away. Yes. So uh, to be clear, the COVID-19 is able to reproduce itself in a variety of ways once it takes over a, a human host cell. One of the key ways is through autophagy. And these two drugs, uh, the, the, the ones that you're now speaking of, that when they're used together, it shuts down autophagy in the body. And for a temporary time period, that's safe to do, but there are side reactions, mostly to the chloroquine. Chloroquine does carry with it uh, strong side reactions, but you're only taking it for a short time period. And I have an update. A physician in New York has just announced that out of over 600 patients with proven COVID-19, he had a 100% success rate by the combination of the two drugs, chloroquine and azithromycin yeah. plus yeah. zinc, 100%. Mm. So the zinc was to rebuild the immune system and the other two were to cut off the replication. Um, so we're, we're getting there. And, and yes, you're, you're correct. There are people that can't handle the chloroquine. Uh, we're, we're looking at uh, nanosilver. Nanosilver has an enormous body of scientific evidence that it will destroy and just eat to shreds most viruses when the nanosilver is below 10 nanometers in size, each particle, and they are on the market. There's over a thousand different physicians worldwide, which have been using it for over a decade. And so it is of limited availability, but it will cut through every known system that I am aware of, of which the COVID-19 would manufacture itself 
by picking on a certain aspect of a human cell host. So it's, it's amazing. And, and uh, we're, we'll be broadcasting a webinar uh, that's up to date on that. Um, and yeah, then, let's so, get back to your website at the end. We have okay. to uh, let people know where to go for more information. But I've seen people selling silver products or something like that, probably nano-silver then, and saying this cures COVID-19. But we don't know that yet, do we? I would say we're on the verge of saying that we can say that, and here's why. Wow. Um, if you're looking at silver nanoparticles as opposed to junk silver that's on the market, so-called colloidal silver, okay. there is extensive scientific evidence that it will destroy all of the major mechanisms of most viruses. And there are literally hundreds of peer-reviewed, documented studies on that fact. Um, the problem is, is that it threatens competition and vested interests so that there is a movement toward gold. Mm. There's a movement toward copper. There's a movement toward silica. There's a movement toward different kinds of uh, silver that's grown through mushrooms and through other synthetic means to accomplish the same thing so that they can make a drug out of it and charge large amounts of money, which, mm. which is fine. I mean, I, I don't like that, but it, it's okay that people want to finance uh, drug development and they need the money to do so so they can eventually make it generic and bring down the price. But we're not seeing that in America. In America, we're seeing even the generic things, uh, drugs, the prices are still sky high. So we're getting ripped off. And I think it's to your point about it's the greed factor. Mm -hmm. But if you look at a, over 100 years of science of silver in medicine, it, it is absolutely clear that there is a form of silver in the small nanometer size ranges, which is absolutely lethal to most viruses. So, um, and we'll present on that. But the point is, could, could a HIV patient uh, use it, for example? Ab absolutely. There, uh, I, I was part of a team that was the first to do uh, nanoparticle silver, pure silver nanoparticles. Uh, treatments in HIV. And what we found was, is that when it was taken orally, it was very effective to bring rapidly down the, the counts. And when it was given IV, it worked, but it didn't work as well as when it was taken orally. And the reason was, there was two reasons. The first reason was, is the lymphocytes that contain HIV don't just live in the bloodstream. They live in the lymph. And so when you're taking it orally, it tends to spread throughout the entire body and it will be, it's able to get to the HIV cells that are in different parts of the body. But when it's given IV, it goes into the bloodstream very rapidly and whatever HIV is present in the bloodstream will be obliterated, but it will not be able in its active state to get to the lymph. So this is where ozone therapy comes in and that, that's probably off subject for today. But in the case of uh, coronavirus, um, under doctor supervision with the medical food grade nanoparticles of silver, it is possible to give nebulizer treatments. But again, it has to be under doctor supervision. Mm. And it's amazing. It works almost immediately. Wow. Uh, and as long as a person is not in an inflammatory storm, um, it, it's amazing to try underneath a doctor's supervision with an inflammatory storm threatening. It's not good to use. So it needs to be carefully monitored by a physician who's familiar with this. And as I indicated, there are thousands of doctors worldwide 
that have experience with this. It's just that it's not, it's, it's basically gone. Um, it hasn't been, it hasn't been discussed in the open. That's probably because big pharma is not on it yet. Uh, For something to become known nowadays, it has to be manufactured by big pharma. (laughs) I would, I would like to think that herd mentality through natural means out by allowing such natural substances as silver and other herbs to break apart the virus and to build up our immune system with things like zinc and some glutathione, I would like to think that's the way out of this as opposed to using a vaccine that where the virus shifts and drifts genetically the next year or two, and we're right back to where we were. That's what happens with influenza every single year. Did you know, you probably knew this out, you know, the influenza vaccine, it's taken from the year prior influenza, not the current. And so there's been a year for the influenza that's current to shift and to drift genetically so that the vaccine doesn't work. And the average efficacy of the flu vaccine is somewhere between 3% and 10% because it's using last year's virus. Right. Right. No, I didn't know this because I never kept very much interest in influenza for the very reason that I never... Well, I catch it, but I never become sick from it. And I, I'm not bragging. I'm just blessed genetically with a very strong immune system. Yeah. So I haven't had an incentive to find out. But I remember my grandmother, I told you this last time I had you on and you commanded her. She had an attitude. No, no, go out and play. Go out and fall down and hurt yourself. Go out and, and grow strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, She's the one who taught me about immune defense. So... Um, that's the attitude in the old days. Nowadays, oh, you have a cold, take a shot. I mean, it's it's hilarious. It's tragic, really. To but, your grandmother's point, uh, just one last thing, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. When you get out in the sun, you make vitamin D3. Right. And vitamin D3 intercepts COVID-19 at the point of where it make, meets the kidney. And it will attack the kidney to induce hypertension unless you have vitamin D and vitamin D. So so vitamin D drops could also be a part of this cocktail to help. Extremely important. They've seen that anybody in acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is the final stages of SARS will recover to a large extent from the ventilator use if they are given vitamin D3. And that's also in the literature. So we have C-vitamin, we have melatonin, we have vitamin D, we have selenium, and we have NAC. Um, I sent you a video the other day. They claim there that apart from C-vitamin, it seems that chaga especially, and also elderberry, I think they mentioned, had some positive, uh, was like soldiers in this battle against COVID. What do you think about that? Well, um, yeah, when you wrote me, I wrote you back and I said that there are three things that we need to do. Number one, uh, uh, and I'm glad you brought this up, is to prevent exposure for a while. Everyone's going to get this. But if we can delay by proper hygiene uh, and distancing, we can give the hospitals time to not overwhelm them and, mm. get, and, and it'll stop them getting sick. Because in New York they're, and in Ma- uh, Massachusetts right now, they're firing medical staff left and right because the medical staff is refusing to come to the hospitals because there's no protective gear. Mm, I heard about that. So who could blame them? Mm. So we need to give the hospitals time 
by social distancing and by practicing proper hygiene. That's step number one. Step number two. Wait a minute. How many meters is considered social distancing? Well, that's a good point because if someone's coughing or sneezing, um, it can stay in the air for six hours and gosh knows what the wind will do. That's the reason why this thing has spread so much is wind will pick it up and bring it miles away. So it's a problem. Um, so we're, you know, we're recommending that if people are lucky enough to be able to have any of these supplements or the silver that's medical food grade, not the junk, um, that they can use these things to protect themselves. And then the zinc, the zinc is what will build the immune system up over long term with the vitamin D to restore herd immunity. So that's important. But the second thing is to reduce the viral load. And We've just talked about that, but the viral load is uh, very rapidly reduced by the use of these special kinds of silver that are medical grade, medical food grade. And unfortunately, it's not as available as I would like it to be. And it's probably expensive. It's not. It's not terribly expensive. Uh, it's just that it's. It's they're over. They're overrun right now with uh, the, the the facilities at least stateside that are. Um, able to produce the medical food grade, um, and there aren't many, but there's a few, they're just completely overwhelmed. Mm. And they're, they're, they, can't, uh, they can't keep up with the demand. But in, uh, the, the third step is to build up herd immunity, which is where the zinc comes in, which is where it's important to support that with the vitamin C and to keep your glutathione levels uh, high. Um, and then the chaga comes in. The chaga is an excellent immune rebuilder. It's wonderful. Hmm. So that's where the chaga has uh, great strength. And um, there's a and whey or the colostrum. And then your probiotics. So you're going to get your uh, probiotics from your yogurts. And, and kefir, right? I drink kefir yes, every day. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Probiotics. I'm making a list here. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what happens if you, uh, speaking of uh, food, what happens if you ingest contaminated food? You mean with the COVID-19? Yeah, yeah. Well, I... Is that possible? If you go to the shop, you get some food from there, and if someone who's infected have been there, it could rub over to the food, right? Yes. And then you would get it, right? Yes. It's possible. Uh, the yeah. most common, let me, let me just state for the record, the most common ways to get COVID-19 are by touching the face, uh, the eyes, the nose, the mouth, with the hands that are infected, uh, and breathing the air of someone who just coughed or sneezed, even if the air has picked it up and brought it a mile away. That's why this thing has spread so, so yeah. fast. And so by using um, either an N95 mask, if you're lucky enough to have them, or by spraying some of this uh, medical food-grade silver up each nostril and in the mouth, you're, you're, you're protected to a great degree. Yeah. So uh, the best thing to do is to socially distance yourself to the best of your ability. And what we've done is we've actually installed um, ultraviolet light air san uh, sanitizers. So through the uh, heating system or through the air conditioning system, uh, ultraviolet light will also destroy it. And we use hydrogen peroxide to wash our food, and heat will kill it. So when we got in a pizza recently, 
we reheated it. Reheated way it, up yeah. High. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at 160 degrees for 60 seconds, you're going to kill the virus. Uh, how much in Celsius? We have a half of oh. uh, our audience are non-Americans. I'm sorry. Uh, they can look it up on web, but I think you would be talking about about 60 degrees Celsius. Uh, it but you need to hit... Whatever it is, you need to uh, take 160 degrees Fahrenheit for a minute, mm. and it will break down the virus, to, to the best of my knowledge. Okay. okay. Um, anything less than that will take longer. So you, if you don't want to burn your food, you, like we just wanted to reheat the pizza. We didn't want, we didn't want to make it charcoal. <laughs> so we turned up the oven really hot, and then 60 seconds later, we took it out, and we were fine. So. Okay, okay. But exactly, and this question comes from a um, uh, physician I know. So she says, exactly how protective are face masks? Do they really protect against COVID? Yeah, if, if it's an N95, um, it will work. But here's the problem. We use the uh, the spray silver that are the nanoparticles. These are nanoparticles down at one nanometer or lower. That's the ones we use. Uh, you, they are available at 10 nanometers. Uh, COVID is between 60 and 90 nanometers. Mm-hmm. Uh, most viruses are 20 nanometers and larger. So any silver particle that's smaller than 20 nanometers can be sprayed on the outside of the mask because that's where the problem is. If you've been wearing that mask all day long and you've been protecting yourself, the moment you take off that mask is where the danger is that right. you're spreading the virus from the outside of the mask has been collecting it. Yeah. But if you spray it with hydrogen peroxide or if you spray it with silver or you spray it with a little bit of Clorox that's diluted, you can kill the viruses on there and you can potentially reuse the mask. Do you mean you spray it after the day? Yeah, let's say you're wearing the mask. Let's say you're a, a first-line healthcare worker. Let's say you're a doctor in ER. Mm. And all day long, you've been wearing your, your N95, your N99 mask, if you're lucky enough to get them, okay? Mm. You get largely protected all day long. The problem comes when you take the mask off. And so don't take it off. Spray it regularly from the outside, either with nanoparticle silver or with hydrogen peroxide at 3% or with very dilute uh, uh, Clorox bleach. And that's available on the web as to what dilutions to use. Mm. And then just spray it regularly, just a little bit, just a couple of sprays every so often if you're going to wear that mask all day long. Mm. And, And before you take it off for the day, uh, that's where it can shed if, if it's been clinging to there because of uh, uh, that you're, you're inhaling it from where you're you're involved. It's when you're taking that mask off that it can fall off and get and re and then then explode. Right, because it it can be in the air. I thought you meant that you can get it on your fingers, but obviously they wear gloves. Yeah, so. You should wash the gloves. But still, it be in the air, and as soon as you lose the mask, you, you get it you in. Wash, yeah, and they should wear protective goggles because the tendency of doctors, and I've seen this happen all the time, the average medical student has been recorded to scratch their face 23 times an hour and not even know it. So if you're not Jeez. wearing protective goggles, it's, it's a habit that you'll go up and you'll scratch your eye or your nose even though you're wearing a protective mask, if you scratch your eye, you're going to get the virus. Mm. Yeah, they do it unconsciously. They don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. impossible to stop, too. I mean, 
It's just what we do. Uh, another question, it, it, does the virus feed on glucose, on sugars? No, the virus is not alive. The people need to understand the reason why that silver and some of these other things like intravenous vitamin C work so well is because that there is no antioxidant protection system inside the virus itself. So a pro-oxidant such as silver, a pro-oxidant such as nanoparticle copper um, and other uh, nanoparticles that are pro-oxidants and IV vitamin C, it has to be IV because you have to hit so much vitamin C in the system that it's harmless to human cells, but it produces hydrogen peroxide that will kill the virus. And this is what one of your last guests was talking about. Vitamin C at lower levels will, is not a pro-oxidant. Mm. It's only through IV that vitamin C is a pro-oxidant. The virus cannot withstand that. It has no protection. Now, when it's inside a host human cell, that host human cell has antioxidant protection. And there are studies that show that nanoparticle silver will go into that cell and destroy that virus. That is under peer review. That is known. And so, and it will also shut down the various mechanisms of the host cell to manufacture that virus. That's one of the reasons why I love it. There's a thing called, for the scientists out there, there's a thing called the particle diffusion coefficient. It's a part of physics. You have to look it up. Can you repeat it because of the sound? Sure, sorry. So they, we, we know they get it. It's called the particle diffusion coefficient. Mm. And, and it relates to particle size. And when you have silver nanoparticles that are at one nanometer and below, there is no biological membrane that can prevent that silver particle from penetrating. And if, you if you're a host human cell with antioxidants, there is no problem. Mm. But if you're a virus, it will eat it up like a hot knife going through butter. It will produce ROS. The silver will produce ROS. Uh, that's reactive oxygen species. And it will just chew apart any proteinaceous uh, components of the virus. And that's also known in peer review. And the coronavirus, COVID, is no different than any other virus out there in terms of it being largely constructed of proteins and proteinaceous molecules. Those are perfect targets for both IV vitamin C and nanoparticle silver. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. A few more questions. Uh, so I want to talk about what uh, really freaks people out because uh, I think large explanation for the widespread panic is that people are forced, people in rich countries where there's relative peace, mm -hmm. they are forced to face the death anxiety. So let's talk about lethality. I mean, if this was anything like Ebola, yeah. I think I believe Ebola has about 60% deadliness, then I, I think society would have collapsed by now. But 
it seems the death rate isn't that bad. I, I think it looks to me the greatest problem, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the greatest problem with this is how contagious it is. Yeah. It's incredibly contagious. If Ebola was this contagious, we would be done. So I wonder, and I know it's not enough time yet Because, like you say, we can be reinfected, so who knows long-term effects. But from what we know now, what is the truth about its lethality? Well, nobody knows. uh, And here's why. Um, Until you have accurate testing, you don't know how many people are actually infected. For example, about 20% of folks that are infected do not know that they're infected. And then you have a few people that have a little bit of sniffle and a little bit of a cough, and that's it, with no fever. And that's another portion of the population. So we might have uh, a large number of people already in any given country that has the virus but don't know it or don't even notice it. And so then if you're comparing the death rates of those folks that are dying and you only are able to say that a smaller number of people have truly been tested for the COVID virus, where in fact the truth is a much larger part of the population has it but don't know it, mm. you're not getting an accurate death rate. So Now, hang on. This is important because many people look at the numbers. There are these websites that uh, is up to date all the time in every country, and they see, let's say, Italy. They see the number of uh, people are infected and they see the number of dead. <laughs> it's like 10%, yeah. 15% and they freak out. But that's precisely your point. Everybody isn't tested. So you have to compare it with the number of exactly. actual infected, right? Exactly. And yeah. like Wuhan City, the communists are holding back the truth because we know from the urns, the uh, they do... Uh, cremation. Uh, you know, they do uh, cremation. We know that the urns are going through that city to the tune of 5,000 or more a day. And so they're only reporting 2,500 deaths. So it's impossible. There's many, many, many numbers. And so it relates to the fact that if the person has a strong immune system and they are able to manage their inflammatory storms, which is dependent upon the glutathione system, uh, mostly, not not 100%, but mostly, you're going to have most people just go on to develop immunity. And then those people survive, and then coronavirus becomes a thing of the past. Uh, Even if it mutates a little bit, it's a little bit easier for the immune system in those individuals to develop immunity uh, much quicker the second time around. Um, so this is this is how we get out of it. We we have yeah, to yeah. Hang on, Norwegian scientists I read recently are talking about uh, doing the same as Iceland. In Iceland, first off, they are testing everyone now, yes. every goddamn citizen, yes, yes. and they wanna they wanna expose people not by force, of course, but just so that enough people can develop antibodies and then try to use those antibodies as some kind of cure. Could that be a way to go? Yes, but that, uh, okay, so to the best of my knowledge, and I'm no expert in this, but mm. if you, if uh, people that have recovered from COVID-19, uh, they're suggesting that those people donate blood so they can collect the antibodies so that they can be useful to inject those antibodies into people that are really sick. Mm. And they'll most likely work if they're blood compatible. 
In other words, if their blood pipes are compatible and there's no rejection, I think that'll work. The problem with that is it doesn't necessarily have that individual develop their own immunity. So here's what I'm suggesting. If we know that something like intravenous vitamin C or silver nanoparticles in the size ranges that I'm referring to will break apart the viruses, then you're presenting antigens to the immune system. And then things like chaga and zinc and vitamin D3 and, uh, and whey or NAC will rebuild the immune system so you develop long-term immunity. Those are the things that will do this. It's, and, and unfortunately, because it's not drug-based, it's not going to get a lot of leeway in the, in, the, no. in the mainstream media. But this is how it's done. Mm. Yeah, you have to take care of yourself and your own. You have to take some responsibility for your own health. I agree. And uh, just because you can't get everything as a cocktail in a pill, then people don't do it well. I think it helps if people are afraid of death. <laughs> That's a good motivator for many. But to this point of yours, I want to say two things. First, the fact that not everybody is tested, a minority is tested, suggests that the death rate is low. But the fact that they're holding back death reports will kind of balance that picture again, if you see what I mean. But yeah. Lo and behold, Iceland can be a savior here because Iceland is a very open community. Uh, it's where WikiLeaks have a sanctuary. And it's such a small community that it's impossible to censor death. And the fact that they are now testing everybody, even people who are not or don't think they're infected, will be gold for future research because we can see yeah. how they will handle. You know, we can see what's going on there in the long run when everybody is tested and we can see how many get reinfected and we can see how many really dies. So I think those data will be gold for us in the future. I, I think that's right, but let's keep something in mind and this is just my frustration. I don't want to nope. say that everyone else should be frustrated in this way, but when you're a public health official and you're dealing with a pandemic and you don't have a cure for it, you only have two things. You have social distancing or putting people that are known to be infected in isolation. And then a thing called mitigation, which is social distancing. You, you, you outlaw congregations of people getting together, like in churches or in football stadiums or whatever. Mm. And, then, and that's it. And then you can do all the testing you want until you're blue in the face. Right. But you haven't gone after curing the virus. Right. And so the ultimate test of this is, is twofold. Go after the damn virus and stop this BS about we don't have drugs for it when silver in medicine has been known for over 100 years to attack viruses mm. if it's the correct type of silver. That's there. It's plain as day in the, in the medical literature. And stop this thing about saying colloidal silver is dangerous. It's not approved by such and such. Forget that. In the high-quality medical food-grade or medical-grade nanoparticle silver uh, component of science, it will destroy viruses. End of story. And then secondly, build up the human immune system with the foods and the nutrients that have always done that. Mm. Right. No, I totally agree. This is a very important message you have, and I fully support it. You say correct silver. 
Uh, again, if they go to your website, is there some links where where they can know where to get this kind of uh, miraculous silver thing? Uh, so here, uh, it has to be uh, gotten through a physician, um, and and the supplies are really low. Um, so I, I do want to go over. There are there are certain herbs and. You have to do research on it. I hope to get them up at some point in time. I haven't had time. Mm. But there are certain herbs which are very strong antiviral agents. Number two, IV vitamin C is very effective. Oral vitamin C will help, but it will not produce pro-oxidant levels, but it, it will help. Uh, I'm taking um, uh, these uh, pills, what you call it. You put it in water and it makes like soda out of the water is 1000 mg is that what you call oral yes when you take something by mouth okay so what's the alternative injections you mean uh in terms of vitamin c yeah yeah uh, so vitamin c will work both ways but it, it works differently if you are full of virus and you need to reduce the load the in other words to destroy the virus count the mm. only way to do that is iv vitamin c what's that rv i, I can't catch what you're saying uh, uh, intravenous intravenous oh, drip. okay yeah okay right. so that has to be done by health professionals obviously. it has to be done by a health professional mm. and uh, it is possible to do it with nebulized silver uh, that uh, is of the medical food grade that i'm referring to or the medical grade and in small amounts and only under a doctor's supervision. Oh, so nano silver is not a product you can get commercially. It, it is possible, but I don't know. I don't think it's commercially available in Europe. I know that it's available through phys- through physicians in Europe. Uh, granted, that the doctor even knows about it. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. low supply. But there are there is over a thousand doctors worldwide that have been using this for ten years and this kind of silver. So that they it, they are out there. Mm. Um, and then if you're in this mucomist 20, which is a common in Europe, it's a very common inhaler. It's absolutely fantastic to calm down the respiratory storms and it will buy you time. Then you take vitamin C along with it and you take some zinc, you're doing really well. And if you get lucky enough to get the azithromycin and the chloroquine, you're, you're, uh, for short term, you're, you're doing really well. And that's common. This is for infected people, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah, mm. that's coming. Mm. So um, if you're not infected, uh, making sure that you've got uh, these immune protectors, vitamin D3, some vitamin C with rose hips, uh, the NAC from whey or from colostrum, um, you can get it straight also uh, in a lot of areas. You can just buy NAC. Uh, selenium, uh, mm. like we talked about with Brazil, organic Brazilian nuts, those are very, very helpful. And the omega-3 oils, and of course, Norway's famous for its uh, fish oil. So yeah. uh, just, don't, just don't take too much so you get diarrhea, but it's really, really helpful. All, all this stuff you can get in, uh, what you call it, not just through food, but like supplements. You can get it like pills, for example, all this stuff. Yes, you can. And uh, so we have a website that can get the doctor scientific information from. We're not going to give people uh, commercial products on this website but we'll give them the hard science hmm. and you, just let me know when you want me to give you that <laughs> you can do you can do it now okay um so it's the, the website is i c r m learn that's one word i c r 
M as in mother, learn, one word, dot org. And we're, we'll be uh, updating our, our webinar here uh, in, in the next day to include really, really stellar. We already have a lot of uh, st uh, peer review up there, but we're going to have uh, a refreshed webinar that goes into more extensive uh, peer review. And we'll cover this plus the vitamin D3, the probiotics, um, the, uh, the omega-3 oils, the NAC, the things like that that people can do that will be very effective. And, and then if you can isolate yourself and wait until uh, azithromycin and chloroquine can be produced in enough numbers um, and, and then take some good zinc, uh, and there's uh, like pumpkin seeds are very high in zinc. Ah, nice. I eat them every day. Great. There you go. So you're, good if, news. if it's organic pumpkin seeds, you're doing good. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's just super. That's just super. Uh, I want to say also for those who are healthy and don't know they've had it, you know, it uh, when it came to Europe, <laughs> Ground Zero was Milano just exploded. But they went out uh, to the papers with it. I think it was around 20th of February and admitted what was going on. But that's bull okay. because I was in Milan the 8th of February. And when I landed, I was received by health personnel in, uh, what's it called? You know, like uh, moon uh, suits. <laughs> <laughs> and they beamed my forehead with a laser. And it was so surreal. And this was before this big scare. We've heard about Corona, but it was something far away in China, right? Yeah. They did not do this in Brussels. They did not do it in Oslo. They did not do it in Istanbul. They did it in Milan. And so they knew about the outbreak already back then, but they were slow uh, coming out, admitting it. Where was I going with this? So you were checked. Kinda, you were checked ahead of time. Yeah. So my point is, I may be uh, one of those who caught it. I was in the airport area for nine hours. And now I read uh, symptoms that are very frequent but underreported is loss of taste and smell yeah. so if you lose your taste and smell but you don't get a lot of these typical symptoms then um, that can be an that is an indication that you actually have it so I just want to put that out there yeah, yeah. now I had I, I very rarely get sick but I had some very weird symptoms when I came home uh, and that fits the incubation time of the virus but the symptoms doesn't fit what they say about the virus. So I don't know if I got it or if it was just a uh, transition sickness that you sometimes can get when you travel, you know? Sure. So that's it. But if this was, I, I almost hope this is a bioweapon. You know why? <laughs> why? Because if it's a bioweapon, they are designed to have an out yeah. obviously they don't want to the perps don't want to <laughs> go under themselves right but if it's like in mother's nature's great revenge damn yep. then we can be looking at a 12 monkey scenario because if we don't know well what happens in the second round what happens in the third round not to scare people no, but no. worst case scenario it could be long-term death effects from this so with an, a bioweapon we can kind of hack it and know how to turn it off or, or, or like how to battle it so yeah i kind of hope it's man-made because i believe man can undo most of our own screw-ups 
<laughs> but I don't, I don't think we are mightier than Mother Nature, if you see what I mean. <laughs> uh, there is one. I have one story to support that. Yeah. Um, so during the Soviet era, uh, in their bioweapons plant, uh, I forget where it was in uh, near Siberia, um, they actually did have a nanoparticle silver that they kept on hand. And it was after the fall of the Soviet Union, I believe in 1992, that those of us who were interested in uh, silver and medicine were able to get our hands on a copy of this uh, product. It began with an M. I can't, it's been too many years and I haven't, I don't recall this, mm. but it was nanoparticle silver that the Soviets in the weapons lab kept so that if anybody got exposed, they could, they could take this nanoparticle. Oh, they, they kept that as the, um, what's it called? Uh, antidote. Yeah, antidote. That was the antidote. Yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. yeah, so nanoparticle silver, pure silver, or uh, say with other things on there that are non-toxic, will cut through infections of all kinds like a hot knife through butter. And it's it's really needs to be understood across the globe so that we can have access to it and we know when to use it. But more importantly, it gives us time to build our immune system up mm. with the healthy nutrients that we've been discussing today. Yeah. Yeah. If anything sums up your message, it is immune boosting. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Now, uh, just uh, before we, uh, we part, I want to just muse a couple of minutes about politics because uh, what, one of the things that the COVID-19 exposes, well, first of all, even if it's psychological unhealthy because people become afraid of each other and it kind of uh, goes against community because we're all distancing, the uh, environment is thriving more than ever. But, <laughs> but yes, right. secondary effect is that it exposes the rotten healthcare system, especially America has. And suddenly they are saying, oh, yeah, okay, they're actually, in effect, they're implementing universal health care, free at the point of service, when they say that uh, we'll test and cure you for these things for free. Now, that should make people think, because if I come uh, with lung uh, disease, and it wasn't caused by COVID, but it was caused by something else, then what, then I'm going to die in the gutter? It makes no sense whatsoever. I got you. So, so what's your thought about this? Well, I, I, I do have some political thoughts on this. Um, and it, I think it relates, I hope it relates to every country's uh, form of governance. And, it, and, and here's where I stand on this. Many people have no idea or haven't taken their history um, on American history and what was facing the founding fathers of, of the American revolutionaries. And they were all in disagreement with how to put together a new form of government. They, they all had different uh, opposing views. But one thing they united on was the fact that they hated the King of England because the King of England, England owned everything and made everyone else an, an indebted uh, servant yeah. by way of debt and the way the banking system worked. Mm. So they decided to make every American a sovereign. That was the original intent of the republic, not the democracy, because mm. every democracy fails. Mm. But a republic where you have local common sense individuals at the local level to keep their money, to keep their common sense, to keep where they can look and help people 
uh, locally because they are good, uh, good folks using common sense and common law. That was the agreement that all 13 colonies could come under. So my point is that we need, like with shows like yours, to get into the hands of everybody the common sense that they need to keep their immune system strong and to stop looking to big government, which is controlled by vested interests of any kind of country. Right, right. To to make the decisions for them, to depend upon a nationalized healthcare system, which is which has all kinds of problems with it. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get that. But I believe we could have a universal healthcare free at the point of service without having Uh, for example, FDA. FDA has been there. <laughs> uh, you don't have universal healthcare, and still you have stuff like FDA, right? And another point is that we could have like a million practitioners, not just allopathy, but everything. Uh, but that should be divided from the financial side of it. So you you have like uh, um, you have models where it's publicly run and publicly financed. You have models where it's privately run and publicly financed and you have also hybrid models so i totally agree with you about when it comes to how stuff is running yeah yeah. away with centralization away with the big beast but i think when it comes to the financial side of it there should be sponsorship by the collective because although i love a free market if you're talking about the town square (laughs) you know don't interfere with the old woman selling her tomatoes Uh, (laughs) but i don't believe everything is business i don't believe the fire department should be run as private you tried that actually crazy americans hundred years ago you went very far even libertarians were against it when they realized oh my neighbor can't afford this insurance and now his fire is spreading to me (laughs) right and that's kind of what's going on now with the covid that's what covid19 exposes that it's the same in health your health and my health is related so let's try to provide optimal health for everyone i'm not saying don't have any personal responsibility you do but i'm also saying we should take care of uh, everyone in a family in a network in a community because at the end of the day that's actually self-serving interest i believe well if you look at i, I the, okay so if you look at causation then you realize that the lack of the minerals in the soil that is mostly the root cause of disease. Because if the minerals are present inside the cells of your body, mm. they act as cleavers when they're invaded to lower life forms because of the fact that we have antioxidant protection that allows the minerals to act as cleavers to chop these things up that aren't supposed to be there. But let's go back to your point. Mm. The long living of universally always take care of themselves Mm. as a community. Mm. But their soil is full of minerals, rich, 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 beyond what organic and biodynamic can even come close to. They have an enormous source of minerals in the soil. And so these people are very happy. And when they get sick, which they do, They know to fast on their water or to take herbal teas, and they get through it very quickly, and they develop immunity. And they've been doing that for up to 5,000 years. The Abkhazians, up until 1980, before the the Soviets went in there and started civil wars, Mm. the Hunza even to this day in the Hunza Valley, 
um, because even the terrorists don't bother the Hunzas. You don't bother the Hunzas. Excuse me. They will kill you. <laughs> but they're very peaceful. And whenever something happens to any member of their tribe, almost telepathically, they run to help the individual. Exactly. So they don't put you, their old grandma out in the woods to die That's when she's... No. They do not. And, and the wisdom of the elders is kept at the family dinner table because uh, these people are smart. And when it's time to die, they just die of what's called uh, natural causes. They stop eating and they stop drinking. They know it's time to leave at the age of 110. Hmm. That's what these people do. But it's, it's based upon the minerals in the soil that hmm. we don't have. So these other systems that go into that we're going to uh, theoretically say that health system should be this way or the health system should be that way. When you don't address the causation, which is the exhaustion of minerals in the soil, it doesn't matter. The, mm. the system will be flawed and you have to put the minerals back in the soil and yet be uncontaminated. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's the difference between health care and sick care, <laughs> which is what we have now. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that wraps it up, if you don't have anything to add. By the way, I have to kudos your new websites. It's beautiful. Okay. Could you give the new website address out there? Sure. It's I-C, as in cat, R, as in Ralph, M, as in mother, learn, the word learn, like learn something, one word. Dot org, and um, it's quite a website. We we invite everybody to come, especially scientists and doctors, but everybody. What's the abbreviation? What does that stand for? Uh, International Congress of Regenerative Medicine. Mm. Great. Okay, I wish you well in these uh, times to come, John, and I thank you so much, uh, not just for myself, but also on behalf of my listeners. I hope they, I hope some of your practical uh, advices can can be of help to them. I hope I help. Yeah, so check out John, and you run it with your wife, right? She's a doctor too. Yes. Uh-huh. What's her name? Uh, Sanita Patti. Yeah. And you have a, a whole team there, I see. So we do. check it out. He has webinars and stuff. And uh, do you still, uh, well, not now, obviously. Let's say things go back to normal. Are you still running around giving um, lectures and, and gatherings and stuff? Yes, right now we're doing everything virtual because of this pro- present problem. But I do recall that there was some talk between us and you that uh, – if there was ever an opportunity for us to do a health retreat together over your way, well, we'd love to come to God's country over there because it's just gorgeous. Let's make a deal. If things go back to normal, I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll organize it. Okay. Thank you, Albert. We love it. <laughs> the, the, the main reason nothing has happened there is that I haven't been doing retreats for many years now. Ah. But I did, um, I did them for 10 years successfully, too. So, yeah, let's look into that. That's not fair. But meanwhile, you'll find Dr. John online. Very good. Super, John. I think it's such an important message you have here oh, today. Oh, good. good. That gives me so to, I'm yeah, so, good. so looking you. forward to getting it out. I'm going to get it out in a week from now to our subscribers. Okay. Yeah, yeah first to our subscribers, but I'm going to launch it uh, a week after that again to the general world. Oh, so I, I'm estimating two weeks until it's out, okay. not like half a year like it, uh, like last time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, okay, it's, it's been a blast. So thanks again, John. 
Thank you, Al. It's been a pleasure. And I'll, I'll send you a link and we keep in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You take care. Yeah, you too. Bless Bless stay healthy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Dr. Apsley for guiding us through these preliminary considerations regarding the virus. Now, remember, as we are in the end of March during this recording, it's simply not sufficient data available to know for sure a lot of these considerations that we've been discussing. Fortunately, his health advices are universally valid and should work on all viruses. In fact, I'm pretty intrigued about nanosilver and I'm going to, I think I'm going to, if not have a show about it, I'm going to retrieve how we can get hold of that. Uh, It's not the same as colloidal silver uh, and silver water and different stuff I've seen for sale. And there's a conflation there, probably deliberate by those who sell it. As there will always be many weasels trying to exploit suckers during crisis. In fact, the whole uh, economic layer is just one big con game. But you can hear more about that in our separate show called The Money Game. So I'm going to see if this where it's possible to, to get this stuff and share the links with you guys. And all the rest of his advices, fortunately, didn't need a physician reference. And most of these things you can do yourself. You can take care of your own health if you so choose. Now, uh, it may be that if you're listening to this a year, three years from now, whatever, in the future, then you know that the whole thing was a flop. And indeed, there are indications that it may be. I, for one, haven't managed to find any solid data reporting more deaths than 1%. And 1% is like a very strong flu. And there's even speculation that California may actually have had an outbreak of this last autumn of uh, 19 because... There was a very strong flu then, and it had uh, many exceptions to the norm, and they're seeing not the same impact there as they did in New York recently, and speculate it's because there's already herd immunization going on due to the, if they indeed got it last autumn, and remember, California is where most Chinese people, I think it's like 10,000 every day, visit, so... If that is true, like Kim Iverson says, it's going to be a huge scandal. And although Trump has his political reasons for, in the beginning, trying to tone this down and dismiss it, it may actually be the case that this is mass hysteria to such a level we haven't seen yet. And it was the, I think the Imperial College of London is the report that triggered this global shutdown. But German doctors, for example, and and Germany has been exemplary in keeping numbers down. They point to conflation of, for, for example, the Italian data that they are registering everyone who dies with corona without distinguishing who's dying from corona. I mean, you you can have have a heart attack and a cold at the same time. 
they wouldn't write off the causes of death as the cold. And so the same problem may be due here. In fact, if this is blown up beyond proportions, one may almost ask if that's deliberate, because one thing's for sure, it served as an excellent smokescreen for the economic crash. In fact, it has accelerated and made it so much worse. But those who earn on this do not care about normal people anyway, whether they lose their job or if they get sick and die, because more people will die from the economic depression than the data shows that they would from the corona. And, and it just exposes to that some countries who doesn't have universal healthcare free at the point of service are really struggling. In, in fact, if a similar, this is a trial run for when a real 12 monkey scenario appears and we are done. <laughs> we can't even handle what may be within the average flu degree. So what if it was something like a ball? All you need is a virus with higher lethality and similar or maybe just half of this infection rate. And we're looking at a global dystopia. On the other hand, consider some of the facts we already know. For example, this is the most contagious epidemic flu we've seen ever in modern times and it has some weird traits for example not just that it spreads super easily we, we don't know about surfaces and stuff but we do know it can stay in the air and uh, weird aspects of it the fact that it mutates so frequently and some of those versions are more deadly then we don't know where this is going so it may be that, and if people are getting reinfected and, and we're not developing immunity against it, then even though it may not be as serious today, it may be so in the future. And one must almost ask yourself if authorities knows more than is let on in the blamestream media because of the extreme measures without data backing it up. Could they, for example, know that it is a bioweapon out of control? Because if it was, and if it's designed to accelerate, then we may be looking at a science fiction horror show scenario for the future. But at present, we don't know, and we can't know, because enough data isn't accumulated. So I would anyway go for Dr. Apsley's advices, and be on the safe side. If it's here today, gone tomorrow, well, congratulations with maintaining your health. If uh, this is just round one of a long battle, then congratulations for being prepared and armored. But the lockdown and shutdown of society can only last so long, especially if the lethality isn't as high as Manifed, and if it does not come back bigger and better to bite us in the ass, then uh, untold destructions has come from this uh, depression scenarios. People are losing their jobs left and right. I, I see it in um, the decline of subscribers. 
this is gonna hit us bad and health-wise it's just the same so many people do not have access to healthcare and when society shuts down what are they gonna do people are going to continue to die from pneumonia or other damages that also this virus causes but can come from other cases and it's just the same it's a pandemic for you if you are sick and can die from it and and this will happen many many more people in the future as a direct cause of the economic crash and never never let anyone think the crash is due to the corona Last autumn, they flooded the market to save it with more trillions than was ever paid out during the 08-09 crisis. And as I speak to you, they are printing a trillion dollar a day to keep the markets floating and the banks going. So um, this is the real serious disease we're stuck with right now that will last beyond the corona. And I recommend everybody to check out the show we have about it called the money game which preceded this show both very relevant to what's going on and relatively urgent which is why we've bumped them up in the queue to get them out on our public podcast platform youtube will have to wait until we get the vid up for it so it may not be pandemonium from a health perspective but it certainly is in an economic perspective, which, of course, will struck the health issue. Now, people need to wake up and take some ownership in what's going on. We have to influence the social reality, uh, the political debates, the economic debates, uh, especially smaller society where normal citizens have more influence. Don't be afraid to voice your views because if we do not organize society in accordance with what's best for the people, it will be organized for us to our detriment. And, and all sorts of crisis situations will be exploited by those with the means and the psychopathy to do it. It's the shock doctrine. It's happened every single crisis in world history. Don't be gullible and superstitious and think, but it won't happen in this one. (laughs) And we need to lynch those bastards, figuratively speaking. We need to make it so that our future after this crazy situation is not going to be a perpetual lockdown of our freedoms, of our way of life of earth as we've known it up today it may be d-day it may be the reichstag fire it may be 9-11 all over again and you should check out corbett reports latest on this called the greatest depression but if it is a viral pandemonium we have ahead of us, then it's almost poetic justice because that will not discriminate between classes of people. Even the 0.1 percenters are exposed to that. And, and it will be a completely different world. We have to rebuild it in such a scenario. So I can't entertain that right now. And I don't want to scare anyone either. Suffice to say, we are where we are, and there's a lot of good coming out of it. For example, I think in America they will realize what Gandhi said. It is health that is real wealth, 
and not pieces of gold and silver. And uh, Virgil said, the greatest wealth is health. And Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. A Gambian saying, before healing others, heal yourself, which is pretty similar to physician, heal thyself. Thibaut said, no time for your health today, no health for your time tomorrow. Those who think they have no time for healthy eating will sooner or later have to find time for illness, said Edward Stanley. Wayne Field said, the best six doctors anywhere, and no one can deny it, are sunshine, water, rest, air, exercise and diet. Hippocrates reminded us, the natural healing force in each one of us is the greatest force in getting well. And Deepak Chopra said, no matter how much it gets abused, the body can restore balance. The first rule is to stop interfering with nature. Naomi Judd said, your body hears everything your mind says, meaning health is a relationship between you and your body. Uh, reminds me of Naval Ravikant, who said, doctors won't make you healthy. Nutritionists won't make you slim. Teachers want to make you smart. Gurus want to make you calm. Mentors want to make you rich. Trainers want to make you fit. Ultimately, you have to take responsibility. Save yourself. And like I said, I'm going to retrieve links where you can get some good health products. And in order to change, we must be sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I really hope that goes for society at large. And as long as I'm free to broadcast, I think we're good. But when they come for us, you know it's game over. So although a dramatic transformation of society needs a kickstart... There's also a question of the baby going out with the bath water. So I really hope we will be able to preserve the best aspects of the world as we know it. For example, being able to go out to own cafes, restaurants, traveling, flights, etc. And that's not just a depression. That's also the, the virus deciding. So let's hope we we can get it knocked off pretty soon so we can start dealing with the long-term ramifications of the economy. Plato said the part can never be well unless the whole is well. And that's also true for not just an individual but a collective of individuals, e.g. society. Old Arabian proverb, he who has health has hope and he who has hope has everything. So, uh, my friends, stay healthy, stay safe, take care of each other, and remember, a certain darkness is needed to see the stars. So far today, I've been your host, Al. Thanks to your support and my good helpers. Be seeing you Number one.